Happy Pride, queers and dears. This year, we've got a lot of fabulous stuff for you. A bit about the queer, friendly, and inclusive stuff that Target's up to this year. A couple of non-cisgendered historical figures. And we give you the lowdown on a surprisingly subversive 60s comedy called The Gay Deceivers. It's so much more than the difference between peonies and marigolds. Also, the fabulous Steve tells us about some of his favorite memories of Pride Parade's past. And in this week's self-care segment, we're going to just chill out and check in with our bodies for a couple minutes. But real quick, before we dive into the theme music, I want to tell you about a fab new documentary called Donnie, A Transgender Man's Story. It's streaming now on Vimeo. You can find it at vimeo.com slash on demand slash Donnie Transgender Film. And it only costs a few bucks a pop to keep it on the platform. Now, if you want to watch it and you're not able to afford it right now, send us an email and we'll reimburse your streaming fee. For real. Our contact info is in its usual spot at the end of the episode and in the show notes. And of course... I'm linking the movie in the notes as well. Welcome to Pitney and Amelia's Bitchin' Boutique! We may be awful, but But we're we're right. the good old days when I used to go to the parade all the time to the pride (laughs) parade all the time you know and I'd have all my gay t-shirts and my gay buttons and my gay hats yeah I don't have any of that shit anymore other than my um it's okay to be to k shirts with the rainbow Star Trek logo on it but um yeah of course back in the day a lot of it was like silence equals death and things like that. I mean, a lot of the shirts are that kind of thing. I think I might still have my button that I used to scandalize people at work with that said, sorry, I missed church. I was too busy practicing witchcraft and becoming a lesbian. Oh, how fabulous. I loved wearing that to work (laughs) on my lanyard, on my security badge. See, that's fabulous. <laughs> but anyway, I was happy, and I guess they've always had this, but I've never really paid attention. But Target this year has not just a couple gay pride t-shirts, but a whole pride area of the store. You know, I I feel like I've seen, I you know, I don't think I, well, of course, you know, how long has it been since I've been in a Target? Yeah. Uh, but I feel like in past years... I've heard that they had it, but I guess I'm just never in the store at the time to see it. I mean, when I say area, I'm not talking like hundreds and hundreds of things, but it's like everything from rainbow, love is love, and unity t-shirts from toddlers on up to, you know, to full on, you know, rainbow, gay pride stuff, ally stuff. We have these really like... uh, Faggy 
denim overalls with holes in them, and the holes are patched with rainbow patches. Oh my god! Like it does not get more Pride Parade than that. You know? Oh my god! Do they have a uh, Pride stuff for the doggies and kitties? Actually, shockingly, no. At least not yet. <gasps> Maybe we will have some because I'm really surprised. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's kind of become. At least in the last maybe three, four years, maybe. It, it, I, I don't know if it's longer than that. That, like, Michaels would have, like, a little rainbow section and stuff for crafts. Oh, I know. <laughs> for and gay I just crafting. think it's so cool. And they, this whole, this whole, and then we have the, I haven't looked to see what it is, but it's one of those where you, you scan the code on your smartphone Say, scan mm-hmm. here for a special pride surprise. And there's the little QR code that you scan. I have no idea what that means, but it's kind of exciting that we oh have my it. God. I still I still panic whenever I try to use one of those things. I'm so old. Oh, I know. I never do. But Because but fabulous... I'm always like, do I just take a picture? What do I do? And then it's like my phone just knows what to do. And I don't understand how that works. I know. And I think I've only used one of those like once for something. And yeah, I just it freaks me out. I don't like it. Yeah. But we have these tank tops that they're they're cute, but they totally remind me of the worst person in the world. Uh, There's just something about them that I could see him wearing. <laughs> are they are they black and they have armholes that are cut way too big? Yeah, well they're, they're <laughs> rainbow striped, but they're kind of rainbow striped, but it's all tinged with gray, so it's like a gray tank top, but it's rainbow striped. Okay. And the holes are too big. Yeah, the armholes are too big and baggy. And they have, like, black piping around the armholes in the neck with a big black pocket. Oh, that's weird. And, I mean, they're kind of cute, but just the fact that they're too baggy and they're so weird looking, I just picture... I just picture the hairy potato wearing them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it doesn't... They're they're shaped in such a way that it wouldn't really go on a normal human form. It would have to go on a but Yeah, potato. no, it's really, really cool that we have all that stuff. And I've yet to actually see anybody buy it, but I have noticed slowly things are going away. So apparently people are buying it. Well, that's fabulous. Did you tell me, God, it had to have been you that I was talking to, that they're changing the way they do their employee name tags so that they'll have a place for pronouns on name tags. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You, they have, they, in fact, they have a new sign up sheet where you sign, you know, your name and any languages that you speak other than English. Oh, that's nice. And also your pronouns. So it'll be, you know, what is it? He, his, him, or however they do it. Right. But they have he, she, they, and then there's, but there's also custom. Oh, yeah, because there's a lot of variations. Because there's a lot of different variations. So I think, I don't know, I thought that was pretty cool. That is, that is pretty awesome. I Sometimes I wonder, like, I, I have my pronouns in my um, email signature at work. It's very subtle and it's small and it's, you know, it's down below, you know, but below my phone number and above my Douglas Adams quote Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, is, is below the whole signature section. But 
I, I don't know if people even see it or if it's upset anyone or if it did upset anyone. Would they dare say a goddamn thing because they better not? Yeah, I mean, I don't even pay any attention to it. But, well, and Grant, and truth to be told, those are available now, but hardly anybody has them. I mean, you don't oh, have so it's to not, order them, but oh, it's not like everybody is getting a new name badge. No, no, like there's that. a there's a sign up sheet to sign up for them. I think the newer employees are getting those, and because I think everybody else version. you can okay. sign up. I mean, I haven't signed up for a new one, but I guess I probably right. should. You know. Well, when I think about it, like I, you know, those three years that I worked at Mervin's, I I still had the one name badge. You know, I that that had my name like on the old fashioned um, plastic uh, label maker oh, the kind Dymo of tape. tape. Yes, the Dymo. Well, not the kind, not the kind that prints, not the heat sensitive kind, uh-huh. but the kind that actually like embosses. Yeah, yeah. Like old credit cards used to be, that would that had my name punched in with the label maker that got taped across the bottom of the incredibly high-tech and fancy Mervyn's name badge that he store <laughs> back in the day. Oh my God. But anyway, that's not, that's not about pride. No, no. <laughs> but Mervyn's is still fabulous. So there it is. So there it is. <laughs> Does it even exist? Is this still exist in California? No, no. It's gone. long gone. Yeah. Aww. I was always so proud when I started working there and, and my store was store number 115. The two stores in Austin were 115 and 116. And then when I, I looked in the directory and found out the store we used to shop in in San Jose was store number two. Oh. Because the store number one was in uh, Hayward, I believe. Terribly exciting. But again, not about pride. Yes, yes, and that's okay. But anyway, yeah, so anyway, Target, fried stuff, it's cool. You should totally get the overalls, though. I've thought about it. God, where would I wear them? I don't know, but but you should have them so that you can wear them. Well, that's when, true. Because when are you ever going to see them again? That's true, because they're so... They're just utterly utter. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what cons are for? To wear all the clothes that you don't normally wear? Oh, that's true. That's I mean, true. just imagine those overalls with like a Friday the 13th shirt. Yes. You know. Or, you know, awesome. I'm also imagining those overalls on the stupidest person in the world with nothing else. <laughs> Oh, but he would have like he would have somehow <laughs> scuffed up the crotch area so that it would be really thin. <laughs> oh, gross! <laughs> and now on the bitchin' boutique for Gay Pride, we are going to hear from the fabulous Steve reminiscing about. Pride Parades passed from the golden era of the Castro in 1970s. Okay, so yeah, I'm just here to talk about, I mean, it's Pride Month, so I'm here to talk uh, about Pride Month, and where I live, it's hot now. It was 108 today. It's going to be 115 for the next three months. We don't have Pride in June. We have it in October. So, I thought it would be nice to talk about some of the old pride stuff that I can remember from years past. I'm not saying I can remember it perfect, but 
I just remember um, going to a, a lot of pride parades, some in San Jose, uh, most of them in San Francisco, a, a couple of times in L.A., and that's pretty much it. And this was, was, I think the first one I went to was in the 70s. And I think it was the second ever Pride Parade, probably like 72 or something, maybe, or 74, somewhere in there. I had a convertible Ford, white convertible Ford. I took my, uh, my honey, Scott, and me, and then we had two guys from San Jose and two drag queens from San Jose. Uh, Nikki Nations was one of the drag queens. I can't remember the other one. But Nikki Nations is was it, it's just has always been one of my favorite people. But of course, she died of AIDS. So uh, it's nice to nice to remember her though, and she was fabulous in the parade. We didn't, um, you know, this was when things were still pretty loose. We we never signed up to be in the parade, but I came up. You know, where they'd started on Market Street, I came up the side street and, and the parade was almost over. So I just pulled out into the parade and we, you know, so we were kind of the last thing in the parade. And um, uh, the drag queens sat up on the back, you know, the top was down. So they sat kind of where, where the trunk starts, you know, so they were up and they were waiting. And so they had fun and people um, were kind of bewildered, I guess. Well, why, you know? Why is it just a car that's not decorated and some dumb drag queens? Maybe we're supposed to know who these people are, but we so. But it was really fun. That was fun in the Pride Parade. The next Pride Parade that I was in was a few years later, and I that was this is when I was with Donnie, and we had built a house in Santa Cruz Mountains, and he was the captain of the um, volunteer fire department. And he was that for seven long years of listening to that stupid radio cackle all over the house. So anyway, so he also went to a, he went to an auction in Sunnydale and he bought a fire truck, a big, giant, screaming yellow fire truck. Because he was in the, you know, the fire brigade for uh, the little community that we lived in. And then he decided that, you know, since he'd seen other fire trucks in the parade with real firemen on them from San Francisco, even he decided that he he and would get some of his friends and I would get a couple of my friends together and we would just drive the fire truck up to the city. And so we were in that parade in his fire truck, and um, uh, me and me and my friend were hanging off the back of the truck, and some people and, the, and a couple people were at the top, and um, and then uh, one of his friends had the hose and he, and so we were, they were going by and we were squirting the audience with water. And I think we were maybe two thirds of the way through the parade. So that, so they actually, you know, needed, you know, a little cooling off. So it worked out very well. It was really fun. And I know we had a, I meant to show you the picture, um, but I don't know, I can get it to you later. There's one picture of the fire truck with the big banner that we, uh, put on the on the um, side of the truck and I think all it said was gay firefighters gay firefighters and there was one on each side I'm sure Donnie still has those rolled up in the garage somewhere oh but, yeah we got to get it <laughs> yeah so we yeah so we were we we actually were were um you know signed up 
had signed up for the parade and everything. We were like really legit for the parade that time. So, so that was fun. But, you know, um, after you've gone to a few para parades for me, I mean, a, a couple in San Jose and a couple in San Francisco, maybe one in LA, and that was enough for me. I'm, I'm paraded out. But I know people still love to go to the parade and we have a, a, a parade here where I live, but, you know, it only goes for three blocks, so why bother? But after the parade, we have a pride picnic in my favorite park in town. And I love going to that. And they always, and it, it has a big bandstand. And they had, and the last time I went, they had a disco that arrived on a truck and unfolded. And I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. It, it was, it, it had a DJ up in, the, up in the corner and the music was as loud as any other disco I'd ever heard. And, um, and uh, I wasn't going to go that year, but my, one of my neighbors, who isn't even gay, she said, oh, I've never been to it. I want you to take me. So we went. And, and then when that happened, she said, oh, you know, let's dance. And so I was like, oh, my God, let's just dance all night. She pooped out in 10 minutes. You know, so. of want to do a little something in recent weeks I have been um, suddenly made aware of some historical figures that I did not know about before and I'm terribly excited to share them one of them is from like the revolutionary American Revolutionary War period uh -huh. in the US and the other one is from a little after well they're, they're in Britain but it's like um 1860, 1870, around there. I had to double check and make sure they were in Britain because I was like, oh, wait, is this like a Civil War thing? But it wasn't. Anywho, um, the first one I want to talk about is someone called the Public Universal Friend. Okay. <laughs> now that is their name. Because, because this is a gender thing, this particular person, that there's gender issues in this person's story i just want to establish this person is non-binary i'm going to for the most part refer to them as they okay and refer to them as the friend as they wanted to be called but because their their story is from so long ago the things that were said about them and the, the information that exists is all very weird when it comes to gender because people don't in throughout history people don't know how to talk about it yeah yeah you know so don't i mean yes write to us if you want but don't write to us because you're thinking that i'm misgendering someone who lived in the in the 1770s right. <laughs> anyway so uh the quakers are kind of fabulous as you know as extremely religious type people go go but the the quakers tend to be among the nice the nicest of the super religious people from back then mm -hmm. i mean if the puritans don't like you and throw you out of massachusetts so you have to go to pennsylvania that kind of automatically makes you awesome because if the puritans think you're you're scandalous <laughs> then you must be doing something right. 
And the and the Quakers tend to be called the Religious Society of Friends. And um, around the time of the Revolutionary War, there became this split. So different factions of them kind of sprung up. And at one point there was a major split between what they called the Free Quakers and another group called the Universal Friends. And the Universal Friends were the followers of this particular preacher. Okay. Now, I will just sort of give a little bit of background. The public universal friend was born in Rhode Island in 1752. Uh, identified female at birth mm-hmm. and named Jemima Wilkinson. Now, in, a, in 1776, Jemima Wilkinson got a really bad fever. Mm-hmm. But according to their own story, <laughs> Jemima died and was reborn as this new person who was now named the Public Universal Friend. Wow. Sometimes okay. referred to as PUF, which I think is <laughs> very cute. Okay. There And there was always this sort of, um, there's a lot of talk about the 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 particular style of androgynousness that would be in 1776 among the Quakers because Quakers dressed very specific you know well you know gender roles were incredibly strict and people dressed in very particular ways and the friend uh tended to wear sort of a mishmash of what would be considered male and female clothing. Mm -hmm. Like it would be like the big, you know, like the Quaker Oats man, the big Quaker hat. Whenever the friend was outdoors, they'd have the big hat on and they would have like the big vests and neckties and big coats. But then they would also be wearing the big full skirt that a woman would wear. And they had my, one of my favorite things about the friend is that they were business in the front party in the back. They had very short hair on top, but had the feminine ringlets hanging down the back of the neck. Oh my gosh, that was like maybe the first ever mullet. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Just quite, quite fantastic. So the thing that's really amazing is that the friend was so charismatic and so you know, likable that, you know, all of a sudden, like an entire faction of the Quakers existed because of people following the friend. And um, one of the things that I thought was really, really cute was that um, one of their followers uh, was, you know, because there's a lot, there's a lot of writings where people are talking about, you know, hearing this great preacher speak and uh, whatever. And of course, women couldn't be speak, couldn't be preachers. Yeah. Women couldn't do anything remotely like that. So there was a lot of theories of people looking back at it like, well, it's obviously just a woman who wanted to be a preacher. So she made up this bullshit story, which of course is always the way people try to explain away legit yeah gender things that are non-binary or trans or whatever you know it's just like oh well you're just trying to get away with something it's like well no it's just it's it's who they were you know 
whatever whatever happened before that was irrelevant because from this point forward that's when they became this this amazing charismatic person but one thing i thought was really cute was in one of the things that i read was that uh one of their followers specifically talked about that obviously the friend was a, a lot of people saw the friend as kind of like not necessarily like a second coming but kind of more like a prophet because the the lack of gender and we've talked about this before uh-huh. about the idea of an enlight the more of an enlightened being you are like the buddha or something the the less gender binary you have going the more enlightened you mm-hmm. could potentially be because you don't have the bullshit of either side pulling on you and this one follower quoted and i had to write it down because of course i don't know no bible shit uh paul in galatians three twenty eight apparently said there is neither male nor female in christ and it was explaining why why the friend was someone who should be listened to and should be followed because because of their non-binary. Oh. And I thought that was incredibly incredibly cute. But here's one of the things I don't I you know, I don't have to go into a huge amount of thing, but I did want to mention one more thing about the friend because just goddamn typical. Goddamn typical bullshit. So even back then, whereas you had all these people who were saying you know, following the friend and thinking the friend was wonderful. Of course, there there's always the critics who can't just disagree with a person, who can't just say, well, you know, I mean, the way religious factions are, it's always, it's it's like the, the minutest little thing will cause a major rift within a religion. Mm-hmm. But in this case, of course, the issue is that the friend is clearly dangerous and threatening the world with their unholy thoughts and sexual immorality. Uh, of course, I was waiting for something like that because, of course, you know. <laughs> and, of course, the fact that the friend was a completely asexual, non-binary person preaching, like, sexual purity and stuff because the Quakers are not a horny bunch. Mm -hmm. You know, they're kind of those groups that are a little, uh, I mean, you know, when you wear that many layers of clothing, you're probably not, you know, ripping it off very quickly. So I just, I thought it was hilarious to, to think of, you know, someone's being sexually amoral when really they're probably the most moral person among them. Mm -hmm. But you know, Wearing a hat and a skirt? I mean, obviously, you're clearly sent here by Satan. <laughs> but I love the friend, and I highly recommend people Google Public Universal Friend because there's, like, paintings of the friend. And it's just like, oh, I just, I love them. They're so See, fucking that's cute. fabulous. I love the friend. Now, I this- wonder how, you know, how sound the friend's doctrine was. Well, it was, I mean, it was pretty typical <laughs> Quaker stuff and it was, but, but Quakers are, you know, they're very, they're, you know, they're, they're very pacifist. They're very, uh, abolitionist. They're very, I mean, Quakers in general do tend to be like the most awesome as, as religious fanatics go. 
Yeah, they, they do tend to be very nice. So. Well, hello, America, and thanks for coming. My name's Seth. What's yours? Hey, it's Jamal. And Stony. Have you ever had drag race withdrawal? You know the symptoms. Not enough glitter, eyelashes not staying glued down, and that red itchy rash that just won't go away. Uh, you should see a doctor for that. And the only prescription for your blues is more Thanks for Coming, the most magically gay podcast. With at least 150 podcasts, seven seasons of Drag Race coverage under our belt, and topical queer discussions, there's a little bit for everyone here. That's right. We're even featured on Cosmopolitan's list of top seven RuPaul's Drag Race podcasts that spill the hottest tea. Join us every week as we bring you a fun recap of the latest episode of whatever season we're covering. It'll make you feel like you're back on the couch discussing the latest episode of Drag Race with all your friends. Stop by thanksforcomingpodcast.com for links to listen on your platform of choice, links to all of our social media and recent happenings. Oh, crrr. what are you waiting for? Go check us out, Hanny. Thanks for coming, a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. I want to point out one more one more person that I didn't even hear. I mean, you know, I I literally learned about this person the first day of Pride Month, because, of course, things were going around. Things were being posted online. Uh-huh. And I immediately, my eyes went straight to this thing because it was very clear that even though the post was intending to be, ooh, look at this awesomely cool, non-cis, you know, hero of the past... They were still referring to this man as she mm-hmm. and talking about how, you know, this woman disguised herself as a man. And even in the original post that I saw, I went down through the, the comments on the original post and even underneath this post, people with super pridey, rainbowy profile pictures uh-huh. even people like that were towing the no but obviously it was just a woman who wanted to be a doctor and therefore she pretended to be a man so that she could have the benefits of being a man mm-hmm. which is the kind of bullshit trans men get accused of all yeah, the time yeah. it's like well you just want to be a man and, you know, it's that, that whole, like, even people who totally are like, no, I totally understand trans women. I think, I think, I think they're really wonderful, but deep down they don't really understand or accept trans men. It's because yeah. it's obviously just some woman trying to get away with something. But this Dr. James Barry, and I'm not kidding, the articles and stuff that I looked up, would be like, the title of the article would be Dr. James Berry, a woman ahead of her time. Oh. An exquisite story of scandalous subterfuge. (laughs) And I'm like, God damn, you know? And, okay, I'm just gonna read a very quick little passage because of just, this is the kind of shit. It, It goes into a lot of what 
was so fucking amazing about James Barry. Uh-huh. And yet, fuck all of that because he didn't have a dick. So, woo! Uh-huh. Forget everything that's great that he ever did. Some people only become famous after they die. When Dr. James Barry died in 1865, he became infamous. By all accounts, he had led a colorful life. A renowned military surgeon, he rose to become Inspector General of Hospitals, one of the highest army medical posts, and served throughout the British Empire. Notoriously irascible, Barry fought a duel with a fellow officer, ticked off Florence Nightingale, and survived several army inquiries into his conduct. He was a humane doctor, fervent public health reformer, and famous for his peculiarities, a teetotaler and vegetarian. He traveled with a menagerie of small animals. And then he had the misfortune of dying. Uh-huh. When the woman who washed the body discovered he, in quotes, was a perfect female. Oh. Um, and that Barry had clearly hoodwinked Edinburgh University and masqueraded as a man. And, you know, the articles keep using phrases like curious anatomy. And it's just like, oh, my God, just uh. let that go for fuck's sake. <laughs> With the aid of stacked heels and strategically placed stuffing, (laughs) Barry even acquired a reputation as a lady killer. Yet Barry was also a skilled surgeon who performed one of the first successful cesareans and committed sanitary reformer. He lambasted the authorities for mismanagement of barracks, prisons, and asylums while treating rich and poor, colonists and slaves alike. Like, you can't even... Clearly, there's not enough great shit you can say about Dr. James Barry, but oh, this yeah, article exactly. cannot, cannot stop going, but you know, chick. And it's so ridiculous. Ugh. And it's like, and even the doctor who signed his death certificate said it was none of my business whether Barry was male or female. It's like, oh, probably the only decent uh. person that ever had to do with it. But there's been like all these. Like, so many people have written books. There's been plays. There was a movie, apparently, like, really early on that was just just ridiculous and awful. And, and, you know, it's so fucking ridiculous. But the thing that kills me and all these articles, either it's an article that completely misgenders him and refuses to refer to him as a him, even though he lived his entire Mm -hmm. life as a him. And, and like, you know, it was obviously like, you know, every aspect of his life and he did everything he could to make sure that no uh-huh. one knew that he, you know, had a secret. But even now, people are arguing over whether or not, well, is, is this doctor a feminist pioneer who became, you know, the UK's first female doctor? Or yeah. was it... A fucking man who just happened to be assigned female at birth. And it's like, I understand that in the late 1800s, nobody knew what the fuck to call anything. But this is now. This was a couple of days ago. And people are arguing in the comments underneath this initial post that got my attention as to... 
you know, this the people who wouldn't let it go. It's like, yes, but it cannot be denied that a woman wasn't allowed to be a doctor, let alone a surgeon. So if a woman wanted to do that, they were going to have to pretend to be a man. And it's like, way to miss the entire fucking point of, of the story. Ugh. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's instances where that did happen. Every so often, maybe. Yeah, every so often. But I, but I think that a whole life lived in a secret lover and all this makes me think that it, that, that this was a Absolutely. trans person. You know? And it's so, it's so aggravating because like all the arguments was like, you know, everything lines up with what trans men, with, with what the experiences of trans men and what trans men have to do to live as men. And, and then all these mm-hmm. people who, you know, want to claim to be allies and stuff think they can't just shut the fuck up. They have to go, yes, but it cannot be denied that for a woman to be a surgeon, she would have to... It's like, no, shut up. Can you not fucking shut up? And of course, every one of them was a man arguing with a woman. I'm just going to say that. Uh, Of course. It's always a man saying, but you know, it's a woman pretending to be a man. It's like, honey, have a fucking seat. Gerald or whatever your name is. Anyway, I love. Oh I, I mean, my God. I I was so excited by Public Universal Friend, but but Doctor Barry is so fucking That's amazing, fabulous. And I swear though. to God, it's like I you know I printed out all kinds of shit, but there was way 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 more information than I I was ever going to talk about. And it's like, oh my God, look him up, read about him. He's fucking fascinating, and yet. Like I said, every fucking paragraph, here's a list of accomplishments and amazing, you know, amazing things that he did. Oh, but you know, it's a lady. You know, they have to undo everything. Almost every paragraph has some bullshit statement in it that just undoes everything. It's infuriating. I am not surprised. goddamn typical. (laughs) The Year of Self-Care. Let's take a few minutes to physically check in with ourselves. How is your posture right now? Is it stiff? Take a few deep breaths and find those tight spots. Start with all the big joints, your shoulders, your hips. Make little adjustments and movements to see how they feel. Now check in with your lower back. When you adjust your hips, does any tension release there? Pull up from your head as you inhale to make your spine as long as you can. Then settle gently back into a comfortable position as you exhale. Roll your shoulders a few times, then drop them. Shift your head to relax your neck. Move your jaw from side to side to release tension from your temples. Can you feel the muscles in your face? See if for just a minute or so, you can let those muscles go slack just a little. Can you get to a point 
where it feels like your face is draped over your bones and is sliding down. Try this, but first look around to make sure nobody is watching you. Grasp your hands in front of you tightly. Now shake them while they're clasped together, while you let your jaw go loose. That is about as floppy as your face will ever feel. Okay, let that go. Tip your head forward slowly as you relax your face. Deep breath. Do your lips feel heavy? Are they pulling your face forward? Now let yourself yawn, a big, deep yawn, as you lift your head. Check in with those hands. Stretch and shake them out a little. Wiggle your toes and rotate your ankles. Let's do a few more deep, slow breaths while we search out other areas that need to adjust and release. Do you need to turn your head from side to side? How about twisting from your waist? Give yourself the opportunity to do a big stretch if your body wants one. Good job. Now, let's get back to it. So, you know, sometimes you find out about a movie or something truly fab from, like, the weirdest things. And on the internet, you know, things like memes and stuff will go around. And there's been this thing for years that every time I see it, I just scream and jump up and down and share it. And I never knew what the hell it was until fairly recently when I decided to look it up. And it's this meme of this woman who steps in a flower bed. And then this queen comes out of his door and he's like, You bitch! Look what you've done to my peonies! I know. <laughs> and yes. and then she yells at him like he's a silly old queen because they're not peonies, they're marigolds. <laughs> and he and this other queen says, Oh my god, I think she's right, they are marigolds. And he says, I may not know my flowers, but I know a bitch when I see one. <laughs> So, you know, that's like the greatest thing in the world. So, Oh, God, yes. So when we found out that that, of course, comes from a movie, well, we had to watch the movie and we decided to save it for Pride because, my God. And I, I got to say, it's called The Gay Deceivers and it is mm-hmm. better than you'd think it would be. It's actually nearly a legitimately good film. <laughs> I thought it was going to be this horrible, hateful piece of shit like Boys in the Band, which I know is a classic. Right. And I also know that it does 
validly encompass the feeling that gay people had at the time that it was written. Sure. But it's so joyless and valueless to me that I can't even watch it. I expected this to be that, but oh no, it was not that at all. It was was pretty, for the time, it was made in 1969. And for the time, it was, there were moments of, dare I say, sympathy. Oh, it's like legitimately addressing actual issues as opposed yeah, to just being Yeah, and offensive. it was shocking considering that it was a comedy movie made basically to make fun of gays in 1969. But it was shockingly sympathetic and, dare I say, valid. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people who saw it got a lot more than they thought they were getting. You know, they thought yeah. a lot of... Uh, assholes probably watched it and maybe learned some things you know it's so it's quite interesting but anyway i don't know if i mentioned the name of it yet it's called the gay deceivers and like pitney said uh it was released in uh 1969 i actually i actually double checked because that's such a volatile year it was released Mm -hmm. on july 2nd which not only is, you know, 21 days before I was born, but more significantly to this topic was four days after the Stonewall riots. So, Oh, interesting. So like, it really is like a snapshot of the world that the Stonewall riots took place in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I do kind of want to give like some basic plot. We're going to spoil the hell out of it. But just to start with, I'll just sort of explain kind of just what the movie is. So basically what we've got is, oh, and there's going to be a big twist, but we're going to, I'm going to save spoiling the big twist until much later. So stay tuned. (laughs) Um, Because my God, did I not see that coming? Oh my God. It was like, I mean, was, there was hints of it, but I, I yeah, but not, yeah. but I, but the way the, the ultimate of the twist. Yeah. I would have never, I would have never anyway. <laughs> oh my God. That was like M night Shyamalan shit. That was amazing. Yeah. Okay. But what, what y'all need to know up front is that, so this is set during, of course, the Vietnam draft era. So of course all the guys are, you know, they all found out real quick what would keep the draft board from taking you, you know. So people mm-hmm. had all their various ways of not getting drafted. So in this case, we've got these two young guys who go into a recruiter's office together, insisting that they want so bad to be in the army. And they really want to be stationed together because they just can't live without each other. Uh-huh. Oh, and they've been together like since, since they were children. Since grade yeah, yeah. or something, yes. But of course, you know, there's like this, you know, suspicious recruiter dude who tells them they're not, that the army is not going to accept them. And, but says, weirdly says, if, if any new evidence shows up, that the army might reconsider, which that of course ends up being, you know, the big plot because, because what ends up happening is that (laughs) that dude keeps showing up out in the real world. So like these two guys who went in there pretending to be a gay couple 
they can't just drop that ruse when they walk out of that office because that guy just keeps being on the street and outside their apartment and shit. So, so clearly that guy is trying to catch them not being gay. And so they, they have to now pretend full time to be a couple. They move into like the gayest apartment in the world in these quaint oh little God. bungalows with the, with this amazing landlord named Malcolm and his husband Craig who are the people in the meme that I was talking about and of course hilarity ensues and honestly Malcolm and Craig are the only character names I think that I know because they're the only people that matter to me yeah and the two main characters are Sam and Elliot I I would have had to have written that down. I would never yeah, have remembered. Elliot is the lifeguard. Uh, yeah. And Sam oh, I, is I have a lot to say about both of them, one. even though I didn't bother to learn their names. But, but I gotta say, speaking of the apartment, and this is my surprise for you. Okay. The pink bedroom with the circular pink bed in the bungalow. Uh-huh. uh-huh. All the other furniture in that room yes. is the exact same bedroom set that my mother has in her bedroom that my parents bought in the late fifties. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I kind and of, and it is not just similar. It is the exact oh. same furniture and it is in my house right now. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's yes. definitely now see the you others. Know, there's kind of two, two major types of furniture from that period. There's the, the frilly girly kind, which is what you were talking about. And then there's the sleek Danish modern kind, which is what my parents bought yeah, at Sears. But this is like, you know, like white antiquing paint with gold with, leaf with like accents. gold accents. Yes, of course. Oh, and that exact same set is in my house oh my right God. now. So yes. And I will send you oh pictures. <laughs> okay. But anyway, but but we digress. Yeah. Anyway. But I do I do want to bring up one thing because um we went into this movie very much expecting, like we were saying, you know, things to be a little more offensive stereotype type and things that would be a little more annoying because like we did a, we reviewed a movie a couple years ago, uh, that was from the eighties and it was called Partners and oh. it was, uh, Ryan O'Neill and John Hurt were like these undercover cops trying to catch someone who was like murdering all the faggots, you know, and and that was the 80s, so those the 80s stereotypes were very different than these 60s stereotypes. Oh, yeah, because isn't that, and then, like, the famous line from that movie, if I remember right, wasn't it, like, all, all you faggots look the same? Something like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah, really, really, it was actually sort of entertaining, but yeah, really gross. <laughs> well, you know, and I thought about it as I was watching, as I was watching Gay Deceivers, and I was thinking... Maybe we feel differently about the 80s gay stereotypes than we do about the ones in this movie because we like lived through the 80s ones and the 60s ones are so are so, they're so charming and fabulous maybe more yeah. for us you know I mean it's hard to feel happily sentimental about about 80s gay stereotypes Oh yeah yeah oh, Poor John Hurt bless him <laughs> <laughs> but oh my but oh my god there was just something so amazing to think of i mean for someone to be out in the 80s was one thing it just like you know someone to be out like out as fuck now 
compared to out in the 80s. Imagine being that fucking out in 1969 as Malcolm oh my God, is. I know. And I, I looked up about that actor. That actor was out, but the media couldn't handle it. So the media, because he was pretty successful. I mean, he looked very familiar to me, mm-hmm. but like he, um, apparently the media, if he, if they ever did anything about him, they would talk about, they would mention a girlfriend for no goddamn reason or whatever. Oh, well, of course. Even yes. though, oh my God, apparently he was pretty much almost that flaming in real life, which you know, makes him that much better. Like, yes, it's, you know, it was fabulous. His character was fabulous. Oh my God. But it's also sort of annoying because it so was designed to make fun of gay people. But on the other hand, there there were queens that were like that. Well, absolutely. And back then... The and only it's gay people. Great, but it's it's it's. I have mixed feelings about it. But back then, if you think about, you know, back then people didn't know Liberace was gay. People didn't know Paul Lind oh, was gay. God, I know. And like the I only know, people <laughs> that, like, as flamboyant as Liberace was, no, you know, only a handful of people suspected but no one really you know the general public didn't really believe it because like back then you had to be you had to be malcolm you had to be this guy for anyone to even think you might be gay because those it was only the people who could not hide it if they tried malcolm couldn't like butch it up even for a second. No one would... Oh, yeah, and I also think, like, otherwise, it's like, if you got a hint, and then you made a pass, you're, you know, getting fired, getting murdered, getting beaten up. Right, so the the level of... So it's almost like you had to be that way to make sure that everybody knew, so you could find human love, you all. But you also... I mean, he, he probably had to be a landlord, because he basically owned, you know... I don't know if he owned the whole little complex, but he definitely owned a lot of those little apartments. And that's probably how he had to make his living because he probably, because that's one of the themes of this movie is if you're gay, you're going to get fired from your job. I mean, they made that pretty, you know, not only are you not going to get accepted in the military, but you're also not going to be able to get a good job. Because they made that pretty goddamn clear and in a very sympathetic way, which was utterly shocking. Yeah, I was struck by that too. Um, can I spoil something? Uh, as long as as long as it's notes? not the big twist ending, go ahead and spoil. No, 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 no. Yeah. So you know, so like Elliot, the lifeguard character. Yes. You know, because they're putting on this ruse, he gets fired from his job because you know they think he's a big homosexual and he's a bad influence on the kids and they fire him so he's depressed and for some reason he ends up drinking in a gay bar the gay bar was a fascinating scene that was yes there was so much about that that i wrote down so nuanced and that's what i was gonna say because he, he like ends up having this conversation with this guy right who is telling this story and this guy i don't remember was he like 
he was like a scientist or an engineer or yeah. something like yeah like that and telling this long story about it he was like on this contract and it was like this big thing and it was for the government right I yeah think it was for the government yeah because With because government clearance. clearance yeah government clearance he couldn't have it yeah 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 and then boom he gets fired for being gay right yeah, that was the point and at where the it time, really became that was very sympathetic and I yeah. thought it was interesting that this character was not the flamboyant faggot. No, he was he just was some what dude. you would call straight acting nowadays. Right. He was the guy who got the job to begin with, but as soon as they got a tiny little whiff that he might be gay, he was gone. Yeah. And that I thought was sympathetic and the yeah. the most and the, the the most fascinating thing I found about that scene was that one that the Elliot wasn't there in the gay bar anyway. Right. Was sort of interesting. Well, everything about was him like, was questionable to me. Remember the fabulous scene. Okay, so Malcolm the landlord comes in and he's like, "Oh, hi, boys. How are you? Oh my God, what are you doing in this kitchen?" Because oh. they're like making breakfast and it's like bologna with white bread and ketchup or something. Oh, well, yeah, I have. And I he have was a like, whole, oh, I'm going to yeah. make you an omelet. So he does this fabulous thing where he's like dancing around the kitchen, making this omelet Oh, he's for like them. flamenco dancing while he's making breakfast. Yes. Yes. So Elliot is secretly watching this guy from the stairs. Oh, yeah. And he has this big delighted smile oh, on his face he loves malcolm he thinks malcolm is amazing like he thinks it's awesome he thinks it's freeing it, it, it it's really really interesting well here's the thing about the two guys who are pretending of the two elliot the blonde you know hunky adonis i th- these are both guys that i that I would not find attractive in any way. Uh, what was the other one's name? Sam something. Sam, I think. Um, yeah, he. I. I. I want to know what the who decided back in the sixties and early seventies that chipmunk teeth were an, were an attractive thing on a guy. Like that guy was so utterly hideous in that sitcom child kind of way. That I couldn't even understand how his character even had a girlfriend. Anyway, but but Elliot, though, it's one thing for them to be, like, faking it for the army recruiter. Elliot can't not act gay. Like, I kept thinking, oh, oh we yeah. are totally going to find out that this dude's bi. Like, I was 100% sure that the way this movie was going to end was that Elliot ended up being gay. Mm-hmm. That he was faking it. For his friend, but ultimately, I really thought he was not going to be straight. Because he was pretending it way too fucking well. And even in moments like Pitney just mentioned where he's watching Malcolm make breakfast and dance around the kitchen, nobody's watching him. He's not doing it for anyone's benefit. He's just... Oh, yeah. And he had to smile. Oh, and that reminds me. Another thing that I was really struck by in the gay bar scene Mm -hmm. was when the guy... First offers to buy him a drink. Oh, right. And somehow they're talking about relationships. And okay, so so people that have not seen the notion that so Elliot is a lifeguard and he is a total whore. He fucks every woman on the oh, beach fucks- and every woman on the beach wants to fuck and, him. And the only reason why he can why he pays his rent is he fucks this older woman 
I don't yeah. even, I never even fully understood who the fuck she was. Yeah. So he's yeah. a total man whore. But anyway, so this guy that's like talking to Elliot is talking about, oh, you know, it used to be just mindless hookups and all this sex. And then I've realized that that's not fulfilling. Right. That's not what I want. Right. And then there's like, Elliot gets this really thoughtful look because it's really resonating with right. him. Right, like they're this, like they're, they have so much in common. They both have the yeah. same, yeah. and it's like that scene is so nuanced. They both just lost their jobs. They both have been man whores. They bo- it's just like, wow. Yeah, not expected to see something like that in this movie. Yeah, but of course then it turns up that, you know, the guy makes a pass at him and Elliot punches him in the jaw. Well, of course. That is such a closet queen thing to do. Totally. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I know from personal experience, because the guy that fag bashed me in Santa Cruz, after he punched me and I was down on the ground, and after he kicked me in the jaw and the head, and after he kicked me in the balls, he was rubbing his heart on and told me to suck him off. Right. Of course he did. Because that's such a closet queen thing to do. Because you know, I took it as Elliot was punching this guy because it made his dick hard. And he didn't that like it. That he was it. getting upset because he was liking this guy too much. And he yeah, had to punch him. Such to, a closet yeah. queen thing to do. And again, like, so real. But anyway, okay, so. No Although, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, because you know... A lot of a lot of movies would have well, you know what? What do they call it? Queer baiting or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that a movie it would be it would be so utterly subversive and amazing if this movie secretly had like legit queer baiting, wink winks to the actual gay people in the audience who are like. Because this movie, do- like like we were saying, this movie doesn't seem like it's going to have anything like that. But it has mm-hmm. so much of these little things. And, I mean, there's nothing about Elliot's character that is like anything you've ever seen in any other movie. I mean, even to the point where the first time we, you know, we are in an apartment before they move into the gay, the gay complex. Um, and he's banging some chick. And... He jumps up and puts on, I guess he's supposed to be putting on a shirt, but somehow he puts on her dress by accident. Oh, yes. And she, I think her name was Bunny. <laughs> I'm pretty sure her name was Bunny. How do you accidentally put on the girl's dress? And he's just walking around in her dress. And of course, the dress is a mini dress on her. Yeah, that's another one of those things that we've talked about before, about the the miracle, the miracle clothing in Hollywood where one item of clothing can fit every person in the room, you know, but you know, she, she's yeah, like a foot remember, shorter than him. It was like a really fabulous did. polyester looked like a poet blouse, but it was a dress. Right. But it was like, you know, ultra super mini on her, but somehow his dick isn't hanging out the bottom. But I, I couldn't believe that the, that the ending wasn't him coming out because my God, but can we talk about yeah. the whole, so the other dude, Chipmunk Face, um, I between the two of them, he's the one who's utterly hopelessly straight. And the way that they make sure, I mean, the way we know for sure, never mind the girlfriend, never mind anything else, 
But the way we know for sure that he's straight is that bullshit in the kitchen where he is trying to... At first, I thought he was trying to make a sandwich. He's dropping lunch meat on the floor. He he opens every jar. Like, there's not a square inch yeah, of counter. Yeah. I mean, it's like mustard and peanut butter and got, you know, what the fuck. <laughs> you know, and it's like. Because, you know, peanut butter, mustard, and bologna, you know. I'm sure, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> him making out with a chick in, in an earlier scene was not really enough to make sure that we knew that he was a boring straight dude because he's just fucking hideously disgusting. And the curtains are wide open. And I kept going, oh my God, Malcolm is going to catch you. Malcolm is going to look in the window. He's going to see you being all hetero in this kitchen. Yeah. But he does, but Malcolm, you know, like you were saying, he ends up making them breakfast because he comes in and he's so like, oh, I used to not know my way around a kitchen either. And here, let me help you. And of course, You know, because this is Malcolm owns this apartment. He has decorated and completely furnished this apartment. And of course, thank God he did, because how else, how else would there be a silver chafing dish to sit on the counter (laughs) for the breakfast that he's making? Because straight dudes aren't going to have a chafing dish. I mean, come on. The guy can barely make a sandwich without putting everything on the floor you know but it was interesting because toward the beginning of the movie to me it seemed that he was the one that was really pretending to be straight or pretending to be to pretend to be gay he seemed like the one that was really gay and into elliot but then as the movie progressed, it seemed the opposite of that. And I thought that was interesting. It's so fucking strange. Oh, my God. It's so the way the movie ends up being, it's so hard to even it's just like, man, it, it really feels like you were watching a completely different movie. And then at the end and it's just like, wait, this is where it's going, which. But it's interesting, yeah. too, because at the beginning of the movie, the straight asshole seems like the faggy one. Yeah. And the faggy one seems like the straight asshole. Because he's such a whore. But it's really yeah. opposite. The faggy one is the straight asshole, and the straight asshole is oh the sensitive God. one. Oh, my God. You know, it's really interesting, and that had to have been on purpose, right? See, it's like, I, you know, there at, when I was or watching who knows, it. Maybe it's just from our filters now. I, You know, I really think that there's a, there's a possibility that some of the stuff was done on purpose because of the pro like I, I don't it's hard to call it pro gay but the anti-discrimination aspect of the movie mm-hmm. you know it's like the the sympathetic thing about you know people losing their jobs because i mean yeah, the fact that they put that in about there, this oh my god <laughs> it's too bad that it's too bad that the guy that played malcolm it's too bad that he's not with us anymore because I did look him up. Oh, you know, uh, when I said he looked familiar, I did realize when I was looking through his movies, he was in one thing that I definitely saw, which was a softcore, weird science fiction thing called The Curious Female. <laughs> oh, my. And oh, my God, Craig, Malcolm's husband, he apparently, Craig was in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. But I'm not sure what character he played. I do know he's not the one who says, taste the black sperm of my vengeance. 
He's not oh, that guy. Oh, God, that piece of shit. I have not seen that in years, but I totally need to watch Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm so excited. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to be looking for Craig the whole time. I do want to talk about a couple of aesthetic things, though, before we move on to, like, more plot things. Um, just because Malcolm in particular, although really all of them, there is something incredibly weird, and I, I could not help but think about it as I watched the movie, and that is just the unbelievably unfortunate 1969 hair on men. Oh, yes. Like, women's oh, yes. hair was fucking banging. Like, especially the older women with their kind of just came from the beauty shop bubble cuts. I fucking love that hair. But the men, I, I really, I have a theory, and it has to do with, you know, like, all the older men, like the like the chipmunk boy's father who got the other guy mm-hmm. fired, you know, all the old men, they have, like, respectable 50s man haircuts still. They retain the respectable man haircut. But, like, the younger guys, if you're not going to be a dirty hippie, but you have to be somehow stylish so your hair is going to be longer than your dad's but you have to somehow retain the basic shape of a respectable dude haircut so that's how you end up with that weird that weird puffy helmet oh it's so it's so weird like there's nothing the amount of work it would take to maintain that hairstyle i mean those big poofy hairstyles in the 80s had nothing on that somehow big and poofy and yet smooth and slick down hair that Malcolm had. Oh, that whole 60s thing is it's, it's just so ugly to me. But anyway, it's just it's amazing. Oh, my God. And but can, can we also talk a little bit about the decor? Because, of course, as I mentioned, Malcolm, of course, decorated the uh, apartment and as Pitney said <laughs> the, the the bedroom furniture is his mother's bedroom furniture but downstairs in the living room and there were other characters who stopped by the apartment who commented uh what this one girl like I wrote down some notes because this one girl uh who's the sister of chipmunk face said well somebody's queer for nudes Oh, God, And she said, who's your decorator, Tiny Tim? And I'm like, oh, excuse me, is she suggesting that Tiny Tim was a homosexual? But yeah, so she was the homophobic orbit. But oh, my my God. And then, then, oh, my God, when she said that, Malcolm goes, Tiny Tim, really? In the background, it was fantastic. (laughs) But there are so many, like, every, so much nude sculpture in that living room. And, like, one of them, I swear to God, was a sculpture that was an uncut an uncut dick with wings. And yeah. they kept, like, <laughs> zooming in on it. That wasn't my imagination, was so it? The thing about the decor in the yes. living room, I actually found that more offensive than the stereotypes. It, there was something really weird about, oh, my God, why would... Why would they, why would anyone decorate an apartment that way? Like, I don't even know where you would get that many naked man statues. I know, because it's like, I'm sorry, no. I mean, some of you might have, like, one just to be campy or whatever. Yeah. But no one's house is going to be filled with naked statues of men. All over the place in bronze and in marble and in white. And I mean, that's just not going to happen. The weirdest thing is it's almost like 
It's like dick fandom. It's like going yeah. to a nerd's place and they have nothing but like Star Wars shit all over their apartment. Only it's dicks. <laughs> you know, so that actually offended me more than the stereotypes. Oh, man. Because I've seen those stereotypes in action. And honey, they existed. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's actually probably good now that they don't because I would find it intolerable to be around somebody like Malcolm in real life. Really? Oh, I, I could not tolerate it for more than 10 minutes. No. Oh, I don't know. I think he, I think it would be fun. Although eventually, but, well, I don't know. I mean, if he was constantly dropping by, there is something about the, okay, my landlord really needs to stop coming by my apartment. Yeah. There, I mean, there is that aspect of it. But I think that, and that was, that was never overt. But to me, that was the whole stereotype of the predatory homosexual. Oh, and the way he called because of the course, guy Hercules. he was coming over all the time because he wanted to get the lifeguard's cock in his mouth. Well, you know. And to me, that was sort of that whole stereotype, the, you know, the predatory fag. Although there's hardly a character in it that isn't predatory. Because it didn't read as friendly at first. It read as creepy. And that was on purpose. And that that kind of bothered me. Do you think when the, when um, the like real estate guy or whoever it was that was first taking them to the apartment, I couldn't, it was like the guy was trying to tell if they were a couple or not because he didn't know which apartment to show them. Did you, yeah, did you get yeah. that weird feeling? Because eventually oh, it's, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, well then yeah. I'm going to show you this place. And then he figured place. it out and then he was like, oh, because remember he was trying to talk them out of looking at that apartment. Right. And then it was, oh, well, if, you know, well, if you guys are sucking each other's dicks, then you really should see this place. Yeah. You definitely. know, and then he pretended to be friendly. And then, of course, as soon as he turned away, he was, he rolled his eyes and was like, eh. Oh, he got the commission. He's fine. But that was totally realistic, too. You know. Oh, my God. Oh, God. There was one. Okay. So since we were talking about, like, you know, sort of like real life, actual serious shit in this, one of the other things. Okay, so main dude, chip monkey guy, whose father is, of course, the complete homophobic prick, and his sister is awful, but somehow his mother is fabulous, and she's, like, you know, totally down with their weird dick-filled apartment and the pink bedroom and whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somehow she's like, oh, this is lovely, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, but, like, the first scene where we're basically, we are being reassured that Chipmunk Boy is actually straight, and he's, but I, I didn't really understand, like, why didn't, okay, now that I'm saying it out loud, now I'm, now I'm wondering if I'm just reading it wrong, because him going off to Stanford, him being, you know, gonna be, gonna start college, that should have been his deferment. He shouldn't have had to pretend to be gay. But now I'm oh, thinking... Oh, that's true, because I think that was actually a valid deferment back then, oh, wasn't it? absolutely. But yeah. see, here's the thing, though. Maybe now I'm seeing it differently. Maybe because Lifeguard Boy was absolutely not going to college. Yeah. You know? He was too busy, you know, getting his dick sucked and whatever. So 
maybe the ruse was more to keep Blondie from going to Vietnam than to keep Chipmunk from going to Vietnam. Now, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm wondering if that maybe if, maybe if I watch it again, maybe I'll get more of that. But but the whole thing about him going to college, it's like this scene at the country club where, of course, the guy is is the um, lifeguard and. And Chipmunk is there with his parents and his stupid sister and all these other old white people. You know, and his dad is being is being all, you know, oh no, you know, oh, you're going to be so successful. You're going to go to Stanford and you're going to be in a fraternity and you're going to get all these great job offers. And some this other old white dude is like, now when you start getting those job offers, you be sure to come to me because I'm going to hook you up with a job. Oh, yeah, yeah. And his dad is all now, see, son, this is why it's important to have friends because you're just some ugly idiot teenager and somehow you're going to end up with a prestigious job at a top firm and I'm going, my God, the privilege of being a mediocre white man. You know, it's like, my yeah, God. that's true. That is... And I'm sure that that was not meant at the time, but it's poignant now. Oh, my God. You know? I mean, it definitely was very clear. This guy's, fir- this guy's future was set. All he had to do was somehow not get his ass killed in Vietnam. Yeah. And he was going to have this great life. And because rich white men were going to make goddamn sure of it. And his stupid weird girlfriend which now i want to go back to the gay bar for a second because when they're having some date and he keeps trying to you know the same night that elliot is there you know kind of making a connection with the other guy who just got fired um at the lush life i made a point of noticing the the (laughs) they kept showing the sign of the 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 restaurant that they were at before they went to the bar and i kept going that's got to be a real place and i looked it up kelbo's hawaiian barbecue was apparently Uh. a very swank tiki place in la but it's not there anymore but the lush life where it's like they're just walking by and the girlfriend is all, oh, this is like one of those gay bars I'm always hearing about. Oh, can we go in, please? And I'm like, oh, my God, insufferable straight white women yeah. and their goddamn, oh, please, can I go to the gay bar? Because they think they belong there. You know, who who invited all the straight people? But then we get in there and the first thing we see, do you remember, is a goddamn straight couple. Or at least a man and a woman couple. Oh, where yeah, where she's arguing. What is what? What can Bruce what, give you that I? Yes, can't? What can, of course it's Bruce, and it's like they're literally, they're clearly, they're clearly breaking up, and the guy is is like, and I keep thinking, has she figured out that they're in a gay bar? Because my God, the fucking mural on the wall. It's like who went in there and oh. painted like almost the village people on the wall i mean yeah i don't know every it's like if you weren't sure that this was a gay bar we're gonna make sure to decorate it in such a way that there's no question like there there is no subtlety (laughs) (laughs) oh my lord but yeah you know it's like one other thing that i thought was really hitting home like the seriousness of the whole discrimination angle which utterly unexpected as we said um when the main guy is arguing with his homophobic prick father about 
oh my god, I can't believe you got my friend fired and that's that's bullshit just because you thought he was gay or whatever. The movie is very clear about how anti-gay discrimination works. And even even the father, the one who got the other dude fired, even he, because now he's worried that his son might be queer, now he's like... Don't you understand if if you live if you're gay then you're never going to be able to get security clearance. You're not yeah. going to be able to get a good job. And he's acting like that is a horrible thing and it's like dude, you literally just got his friend fired because yeah. he, because you someone saw him acting flirtatious as a joke with someone else. I don't I mean it's once again how subversive was this movie because the people who went to see it were not the uh, I really don't think the people who went to see it at the time were the people who were expecting to get that message. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I do want to mention one more silly thing before we get to the big twist at the end because we're getting close. Um when they have Malcolm and Craig have this amazing party and I want to go to that party <laughs> because as, as Malcolm is like, you know, you know, Oh, you have to come to our annual costume ball. Come as your favorite camp character, Tarzan, Superman, Judy Garland, you know what I mean, <laughs> you know? And of course, like the, the one who's allegedly straight shows up in like, like a Dracula cape and then he's wearing like sheer briefs with like a fig leaf kind of thing. I still didn't understand what the fuck his character was supposed to be, but I was just horrified by like, what is the point of sheer briefs? I mean, if that fig leaf wasn't there, you would just be seeing hair right. and a dick yeah. pressed up against sheer fabric. It's not cute. But like, so the, the guy from the bar ends up being there. There's all sorts of weirdness and then before we know it there's punching and then craig is like i detest cheap notoriety and malcolm says well so do i but wasn't that punch divine I know. <laughs> oh my god i love it <laughs> but guess who's at the party and who also happened to be at the gay bar earlier the army recruiter oh yeah yeah. And just when you think that it's that it might just be because he's spying on them, oh my god, the big twist when straight chipmunk boy goes back to the army recruiter to confess. Basically because he's basically lost his whole fucking family, he's lost his girlfriend because yeah. they all think he's gay anyway and he might as well go to goddamn Vietnam apparently. So he goes in to confess that he was trying to get away with it. And that guy's like, nope, the army's not going to take you. We're not going to take you. Get the fuck out of here. And it turns out <laughs> that the recruiter is not only a big old queen, but they are rejecting straight guys because apparently they want the army to be more gay. Yeah, because they want fangs only. <laughs> That's so fabulous. It was... <laughs> The most insane and shocking out of everything that was weird about this movie. Wow, did I not see that coming. <laughs> I mean, clearly we kept seeing that guy. I didn't know and I... the army that was coming, but I knew that that guy was gay because well, he was yeah, always there. Yeah, kept... but I did not he was see that. Yeah, that was just like, oh my God, really? 
And that right there, that's so fucking subversive. Oh my god, it's amazing! That's so late sixties subversive, and that's fabulous. Oh my god! Oh, and that was the that was one of the other things that kept coming up. That was actually kind of a serious thing. Was every you know when it was all the everyone in his family and his girlfriend and everyone thinks he's gay and they're trying to be like you know I talked to a doctor about your problem and he said that you need time to be alone and reevaluate things and decide what you want to do with your life and I you know it's like I this comes up all the time but it it's like it's that whole choice thing it's that whole yeah but to me. It, it always ends up reading like everyone's by and straight people are just people who decided I'm going to go the easy route and get married to a woman because <laughs> so I can get a good job and whatever, you know, and just decide to be straight. But like every, every queen in this movie, including people like Malcolm, they all, and all the guys in the gay bar, because I think even the guy who lost his job that was talking to Elliot, even I think there was even talk of a woman there. Like everyone in this movie has an understanding that there's there's always some disappointed woman that you yeah. know. Yeah. Every every gay dude's story has some disappointed woman in it that he tried really hard and it just wasn't going to happen because it is. Gay. Yeah, it's fascinating and it's fabulous and it's poignant and it's 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 very thought-provoking and you didn't i wouldn't think that it would have been but it really is and there there is stuff that's genuinely funny a lot of what was supposed to be funny isn't all that funny because it you know it goes stale humor goes stale after 50 years but i I gotta, I gotta say, people really should watch this movie. Don't, don't skip it because you're just so sure it's going to be offensive. Watch it because, oh, oh my no, god, it's really not. Because it really, it's really not. You, you know, we thought it was probably going to be offensive, but possibly can't be fun. And because we like things that suck, this actually doesn't suck. It actually is a is a lot better than you think it's going to be. And yeah, really interesting. Yeah. And it's free on YouTube. Yes, watch it on YouTube. Someone just puts it up there. And if you and if you go on YouTube, if you look for Gay Deceivers Malcolm, you'll find the peonies scene and you'll find Malcolm makes an omelet. You can watch just that scene if you want. So you can watch Blondie watching Malcolm make an omelet and do flamenco around the kitchen. And you tell me that guy isn't hot for him. Oh, totally. He's totally thinking about Malcolm whipping his eggs or whatever. Totally. (laughs) Gay Deceivers. (laughs) Go watch it. It's so much better than that Partners movie from the 80s was. Amen. Yes. for listening. If you enjoy our show, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. If you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll send you a Bitchin' Boutique sticker. Everyone Everyone loves loves stickers! Please subscribe or add us to your favorites wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribers get new episodes first and are also more attractive. Drop us a line anytime at pitneyandamelia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.
God, I think she's right. They are marigolds. I may not know my flowers, but I know a bitch when I see one. <laughs>